So this is actually going to be a bit of a crazier show because all throughout today at the time of recording this, uh, I had a memory posted up about me doing a, a Q&A and asking a question to Cody when he was a part of AEW, which I still say is one of the greatest moments of my life, and that's saying a lot, but also doing karaoke at uh, the All Out show at the All Out uh, party. And it's really cool just to see that. So major shout out goes out to Dusty Dave, who has always been a belt bra for the longest time and somebody who I've really appreciated. And I am so thankful to have in my life as long, long as, you know, I live, I can never speak anything bad about Dusty Dave. Love you, brother. And I am looking forward to hopefully getting a chance to work with you again. Uh, also, I... After watching this show, Unbreakable 2005, I actually noticed the fact that this happened on 9-11 in 2005. So this actually is one of those things where I'm like, well, this is probably going to be a very patriotic show, possibly, or it's going to be just a very well-thought-out show. And honestly, after the show has been said and done, I can't say too much bad about it. So I'm very excited to talk about the show. But excuse me for rambling. Welcome to Brace for Impact, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Nate the Effing Great, your impact player of Wrestle Attic Radio. You can always hit me up on social media at Real FN Game, whether it's on Twitter or on Instagram. Be sure to also check out the Instagram for Brace for Impact. I'm going to start doing more for that Instagram starting this week. So I do apologize for a lot of people that have been following that feel like, oh, well, it's been kind of dead here. I've been kind of busy with work and everything. So that's all going to change now. I'm definitely going to be a huge, it's going to be a lot better going forward. But yeah, no, I'm talking about Unbreakable 2005. One of two times that TNA Impact Wrestling has done this show. The second Unbreakable show that they did was actually a couple of years ago. Uh, which was main evented by Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard to determine who would face Brian Cage for the Impact World title at Bound for Glory that year. So it's kind of one of those things where this kind of set the bar to really give the name of the show that much impact, no pun intended. And I'm going to be talking about that today. Like I said, uh, as I mentioned before, it took place on September 11th, 2005 with, guys, I've mentioned it before. I'll mention it again. The attendance record and the buy rates are still not quite as different. Uh, 7,075 in the arena in Orlando, 15,000 buy rates, which is really sad because this show does not get enough credit, I really think. It's mainly thought about for the main event, but there is some honestly good undercard deals that I will talk about during this deal. And I've actually introduced some, at least one new deal going forward with the show. So definitely tune into that. And I will explain more about that later. Uh, during the show, they also talk about the Hurricane Katrina that happened during that year and talk about Katrina relief sending money to people who have, of course, suffered from Hurricane Katrina. I do remember Katrina being a huge, massive hurricane that definitely affected a lot of people. 
And it's just really scary just seeing that. It's one of the reasons why I'm never going to be moving to anywhere that's close to a big body of water. Because while, yes, up here in the Midwest, we deal with tornadoes, hurricanes are not any better, really. So it's kind of one of those pick-and-choose deals where I could be here where, I yes, I deal with some tornadoes. But if I move out to this place where there's an ocean, hurricanes are probably going to be more likely. I am just staying my mindset somebody could prove me wrong please hit me up if, if you guys live on an ocean front or anything like that and prove me otherwise wrong uh, they mentioned the fact that this was going to be dedicated to the people with the unbreakable american spirit i thought that was a really nice touch right there the opening package for this was interesting because it felt like a monday night football deal you had that dun 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 Please don't copyright me for that. Uh, but they talk a lot about the match with Raven and Rhino for the NWA World Heavyweight title, as well as Jeff Jarrett getting involved somehow, which was weird, but it is what it is. But then they also talked about the triple threat match for the X Division title. Oh, as soon as they started talking about that, I was like, oh, I've got, I'm getting some good vibes here. I'm getting some good vibes here. So we get to the opening deal. It's like, and now, all jacked up presents TNA Unbreakable. And the fact that they said all jacked up, I literally was like, what? What is uh, this? Is weird. I thought this was kind of one of those things where it's just like another like motor oil or something like that. I honestly forgot to look into the what the all jacked up deal was all about, but. Now I might have to look at that a little bit later on in the uh, show. In the show, but with that being said, let's talk about the show, ladies and gentlemen. We actually had a couple of <clears throat> dark matches that featured Cassidy Riley and Jarrell Clark fighting into a no contest in under two minutes. Very interesting to say the least. And then you have Shark Boy defeating Mikey Bats in three minutes and twenty seconds. I can honestly say this, that with all the stuff that I've seen with Shark Boy, I really, really want to just, you know, go back to every single one of these pay-per-views and count the pay-per-view record of Shark Boy because he is literally almost on every single show that I have covered here, whether it's in a pre-show or on a pay-per-view. It's really crazy just seeing that and hearing that. But that being said, let's go on and talk about the first matchup here. We have... Diamonds in the Rough, which features David Young, Elix Skipper, and Simon Diamond taking on the three live crew, BG James, Conan, and Ron Killings. This is really kind of weird because it kind of opens up with Conan basically saying, oh man, you know, I had my doubts about you, but I have no doubts about you anymore, man. It's like literally it picks up where the last pay-per-view kind of left. It was weird. It was kind of one of those things where... Like, uh, was there more to the story that came with this? But at the same time, when it came to this, I was just thankful for the fact that it kind of ended last month at the last show. So if somebody's going to ask me, like, oh, you should have went watch the Impact show, this is one of those storylines that was just so exhaustingly long, I did not have the time to do it. But we get into this matchup, we have the classic three live crew opening, where, of course, you know, they have... Uh, 
kicking it old school with a new age spin to it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, tonight, NWA TNA proudly brings to you its soon-to-be NWA Tag Team Champions of the World. Not one, not two, but the three live crew. And Conan, of course, does his little, like, where my dog's at? Orale, arriba la raza. And R-Truth just says, what's up? Oh, that's later? Oh, my bad. He just goes to the back. No, I'm kidding. He doesn't. <laughs> so, Skipper, Elix Skipper takes it to James a little bit early. We get some dancing punches by James to David Young and Elix Skipper. And then he also does his little dance. He does a little dance deal where he dances and then does a knee drop. We get a nice dance deal with... Uh, Truth and James, where they just kind of do like a heel touch and then stomps. We get a moment where Simon Diamond slaps Elix Skipper kind of as a way to motivate him. And that was enough for him to just go to the top, do a springboard wheel kick to BG James and give them a little bit of advantage. Simon Diamond and BG actually unfortunately have a head collision deal, so that takes them both down. We get in. Conan is a house of fire. He actually does a very unique counter to Elix Skipper's Matrix move. He actually waits for Skipper to get up, and he grabs him and hits him with an inverted DDT. I thought that was actually really innovative. With that, he does a roll clothesline. He throws his shoe, and then he hits a face jam in the middle of the ring for the one, two, three, giving the three live crew the victory at four minutes and 20 seconds. It's a strong C matchup here. There was nothing really spectacular about this matchup. This was just kind of one of those matches where it was showing that three live crew was on the same page again, and they were doing good. Uh, it's hurting Diamond in the Rough, because this is supposed to be a faction where Elix Skipper is breaking away from his whole Triple X deal, and he's supposed to be moving on to better things. So far, he's been losing on pay-per-view, and it kind of sucks for him. It's one of those things where it's like Diamonds in the Rough. This is like more like finding Diamonds in the Cow Dung. That's all I have to say about that. We do this deal where they do a pre-show recap and they showcase Monty Brown saying that he's been beating people down left and right and that he wants to challenge for the NWA world title. And it's like one of those things where I'm just like, all right, yeah, this is the Monty Brown that I love to hear. Damn it. Here comes Jeff Jarrett. And of course, he's doing his Southern charm and be like, Monty, I gotta tell you this. As much as I think that you deserve a title shot, let me get my title shot first, and then you can be the first one to challenge me for that title. That kind of deal. And Kip Chains, he gets in the middle of them. He's trying to play Peacemaker. And then Jeff Hardy comes out and attacks Jeff Jarrett. And that kind of is it. Has nothing to do with the next matchup, which is an X Division showcase where we have Austin Aries taking on Roderick Strong. It is really, really, really weird to see these guys at that young age. I see Roderick Strong, how he looks nowadays, to what he looked like right here. This is like clean, baby-faced Roderick Strong. It is at least so many years younger, obviously. But it's just one of those things where it's like, wow, to think that this is going to be one of those guys who's going to head up Undisputed Era, and he's going to change the world. He's going to change the landscape of wrestling. He's going to be one of those guys. He's going to be an NXT and he's going to kill it. 
And then you have Austin Aries, who, uh, you know, I had a lot of respect for the dude, and then Bound for Glory against Johnny Impact happened, and he lost it all in one night. Go figure. But I'll talk about that more when we get to it, ladies and gentlemen. Unless we want me to talk about that earlier, I can do that. But talk about this matchup here. Basically, it's two of the best of Ring of Honor battling against each other. Uh, we get some nice X Division opening stuff. Strong gets a very good arm drag in this matchup. Uh, they have a nice back and forth. Strong has Aries in the head scissors. Aries does this deal where while he's in the head scissors, he's able to do a headstand and then he goes, pops up into a drop kick to the face. It's really great. Roderick Strong, he goes for a Boston Crab and Aries rolls him away. But as he's rolling him away, uh, Strong is a cartwheel to kind of save a little bit of his balance. I thought there was a nice moment there too. Strong eats an elbow from Aries, but then he counters a corner attack with a backbreaker, and then he does a gorilla press into a turnbuckle. I'm like, oh my god, okay, that was that was that was new. That was interesting. And he focuses on Aries' back for a little bit of a while. He hits backbreakers, he hit whips, and he's doing wear down moves. Hits a hard drop kick to Aries to the point where Aries just literally flies down. We get a strike off from these two. They're just hitting each other, which gives Aries an opportunity to build some momentum. He hits a spinning elbow drop. He does a nice uh, leap over hangman uh, to the outside where he just hangs strong onto the top rope while he goes flying to the outside. Uh, Aries does a springboard spinning plancha into the ring. Strong then hits a half Nelson like a uh, backbreaker. It was honestly really cool to see that. We get a Fireman carry Gutbuster, and then a kick to the side of the head uh, of Ares by Strong. He catapults him into the turnbuckle. We get a half Nelson attempt, but Ares is able to counter it into the corner drop kick. He hits a Brain Buster, and then a 450 splash for the victory at eight minutes even. Honestly, guys, I gave this one a strong A. I liked the dynamics between these two guys the fact that they literally were given about maybe 10 minutes to showcase what they were really showed in this matchup obviously strong is a guy who likes working on the back and he does a lot of backbreakers austin aries has like these innovative moves that a lot of people don't see in the x division it's a really strong matchup honestly if this opened up uh, unbreakable, then I think a lot of people would have been like super hyped for it. They would have really loved this matchup. Absolutely great. We have Shane Douglas backstage talking to Monty Brown, and Shane is just telling him you should be focusing on the task at hand of facing Apollo and Lance Hoyt just before he can even really say anything. Kip, he comes in, he's like, I want you to apologize to Jeff Jarrett for what you were saying to him earlier. And Brown's just like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Instead, both Apollo and Hoyt will feel the bouncer. Period. God, Monty Brown is so cool. I, I love Monty Brown. Uh, we get a promo package for Bound for Glory uh, where they stated that the first 30 minutes of the pay-per-view is free. So... 
everybody gets to see the opening matchup, which, oh my god, I'm looking forward to that matchup. I, I am so excited, so excited. Oh my gosh! Uh, we get to the next matchup here, though. It's uh, Kip James and Monty Brown taking on Apollo and Lance Hoyt. Uh, Sonny Sayaki was actually supposed to be in this matchup, but he unfortunately suffered a neck injury at the hands of Monty Brown and Kip James, where from what they're telling the storyline is that they took Sonny Saki's uh, neck and kind of did the deal where, you know, they wedged the chair in there and had it, like, smashed into the ground. And they called, like, a guillotine deal with the chair. I don't know if there's another name for it, but that's just what I remember from two from SmackDown vs. Raw 06, I want to say it was. That's what I remember it being. But Sonny Saki... He's out with a neck brace. He's just being like, I want to, you know, be there and you know support you guys. And we see Apollo and Lance Hoyt. They're just like, no, 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 dude. We we don't want you getting hurt anymore. Heads to the back. We got this. So yeah, Sunny Sack. It's weird because they have uh, on Wikipedia they have Apollo and Lance Hoyt with Sunny Saki. He was only there for like not even a minute. So I don't think I really can count that. We get a exchange between you know Kip and Hoyt. Hoyt does a slam to Kip so many times. He does all like multiple slams to him to the point where Kip just has to roll out and be like, "Okay, I, I need a break. I need a break." We get a dual clothesline by Hoyt to Monty Brown and Kip James. A beautiful sidewalk slam to Monty Brown. Lance Hoyt. Oh my God, I can understand why Lance Hoyt was so majorly hyped it's one of those things where you look back in the early days in tna and you listen to so many of these people that are you know brought up nowadays you know lance hoyt is now vance archer and you hear also well, lance archer oh my gosh i can't speak now uh shark boy come come in here he's still like a nostalgic guy you just see how hyped they were and just how over they were back in the day and look at their careers right now. It's kind of amazing to see that. We get a tag out to Apollo. And people are booing Apollo. It's kind of one of those things where they really wanted to have Lance Hoyt throughout the entire matchup. Which they had that opportunity a couple of months ago. When Lance Hoyt took on uh, Apollo and then Saisaki. But other than that, didn't really... Um, yeah, actually, it would have been kind of cool to see that. Anyway, um, we got chop off between Apollo and Brown. Double team elbow to Monty Brown by Hoyt and Apollo. Hip finally gives the advantage to their team after getting their ass kicked so many times by hitting a neckbreaker to Apollo. I've actually noticed a Hoyt, I should say. We see. Hoyt do his uh actually I call this the 10 Hoyt punches. So the one where you know the 10 cow corner was like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Instead, you just hear people instead of counting, they're going, Hoyt, 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 Hoyt. Sounds like everybody's Russian for some reason. <laughs> uh Brown responses by hitting two back suplexes, and then he hits a third spin-out back suplex. I thought that was actually really innovative. We get a double clothesline that takes down uh, Kip and Hoyt. Apollo gets tagged it, gets tagged back in, but he's still booed by the crowd, which I'm just kind of like, 
Why? What did he do? He hits a nice arm track DDT, a power slam, and a sky high to Brown and to Kip James. These were just absolutely great moves. I I really I'm kind of coming up fan of Papalo. I think he's kind of cool. Hoyt hits a big boot and a moonsault to Kip because why not? Monty Brown he throws Hoyt into the ring post, but then he eats a eats a big boot from Kip James while trying to help him out on Apollo. Apollo, he does a super kick to Kip, and then out of nowhere, Brown hits the Pound on Apollo for the victory here. So, there were some good things about this matchup, but ultimately, I gave this matchup a D, because even though it was under 10 minutes, 9 minutes and 58 seconds, I feel like they just didn't really come out of the gates with anything really special. You know what I mean? It just kind of felt like one of those matches that was there. And I understand you know, the story that was kind of built up behind it, but this match just felt kind of meh. Didn't really feel like there was anything really too special about it. And, may, and it's kind of one of those weird things where maybe I'm still bitter about the fact that Monty Brown was one of the best things that TNA had, and they're just putting him in these tag team matches with Kip James for no reason. And maybe it's another situation where I'm seeing a little bit of Kip James, you know, maybe some of his weak spots are kind of coming out here. Maybe it's just the fact that he and Monty Brown are just not great as a team. It's it's weird. It's just one of those things where I just did not really feel hyped about this match. I felt meh after this match was over. But let's hope that it gets better after time. Oh, speaking of better, we get Tracy Brooks. Hi, Tracy. She interviews Team Canada, and we're seeing more Eric Young paranoia deal where <laughs> this is great. So Bobby Roode is basically just saying, no, it was Petey Williams. That's right. Petey is just saying to EY and A1 that they're going to win the tag team titles tonight. And Eric Young then just goes on this tangent where he's just saying like, wait a minute. We're facing off against six guys, and and the referee is American. Oh no, they're going to try to screw us. The system's going crazy. And then Bobby Roode is just like, just pull yourself together. Just, it's just so freaking funny. It's one of those things where you just slowly start seeing the comedy just squeaking out of <laughs> out of Eric Young. It's amazing. Bobby Roode talks about his matchup with Jeff Hardy, saying that he's going to Canadianize him. What the hell does that mean? It's Fretz, when I when I talk to you, I want to know what the phrase Canadianize means. You'll have to explain that to me, good sir. And Petey Williams talks about his matchup with Chris Sabin, which is next, saying that he's ready to hit the destroyer on Chris Sabin. So we go into the next matchup, which is Petey Williams versus Chris Sabin here. We get a major botch at the start of this because Petey Williams, he's about ready to come out. And first thing you hear is Abyss's theme song. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, the Abyss match is up next. Okay. And then Petey Williams is just in the in the tunnel. I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. This was not supposed to. Oh, no. <laughs> but a little later on, they would then, like, kind of try to blend in the Canadian theme into that. It didn't work out that well. It was just one of those things where right off the bat, it's like, it's like, oh, hey, 
it, this matchup's not next. Here comes Petey. He's, it's the monster Petey Williams from Canada. Honestly, I'd, I'd buy into that game. Petey Williams is a beast. So, what was supposed to happen was it was supposed to be Chris Saban versus Shocker in this matchup here, but Petey Williams had to sub because Shocker had a conflict with AAA that caused uh, flights to just not work out. So they went ahead with this matchup here, which honestly, Chris Saban versus Petey Williams, I'll take that any day. Are you kidding me? We get a beautiful back and forth between these guys. They're just doing you know, classic X Division styles, headlock takeover, just really doing some great stop stuff here. Uh, Petey Williams, he goes for his slingshot hurricane rod to the outside, but he misses. And Chris Saban does this really cool spot where he gets into the ring and he kind of maneuvers back. And he, as soon as his legs touch Petey Williams on the outside, outside, he does a nice hurricane rod on, onto the outside. It was just really unique to see that. I never seen that before. There's a springboard elbow, and then he does a springboard drop kick on the apron. He misses a flying clothesline. P.D. Williams puts Chris Saban in the tree of woe. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, Canada, it's back. Saban catches P.D. Uh, jumping up with a kick, and then he gets a powerbomb on P.D. Williams, but unfortunately, that powerbomb gets countered into a DDT. Saban hits a dropkick to the back of P.D. Williams. Kicks PD and then hits a Fisherman Buster. Oh, that movie looks really good when he does it. Uh, PD Williams, he and Saban do a nice mesh of counters until PD gets the sharpshooter in, which absolutely great to see that. A tornado DT by Chris Saban. The Hurricane Rana into a Cybersen leg sweep by PD Williams. Oh, that move is just Chef's Kiss. Mwah. Love it. Saban goes for a springboard dropkick, but P moves, and then he he's able to hit a wheelbarrow face buster. Oh, man, that's, that's just great. Locks in the sharpshooter again, but Saban's able to fight out of it. P Williams kind of crotches himself, and then Chris Saban grabs P, gets him into the razor's edge, and he throws him into the other turnbuckle on the other side of the ring. My God, did that look brutal. He goes for a cradle shock, but P. Williams just grabbing at Saban's eyes. He just rakes him. Saban is blind during this whole deal, and he confuses the ref for P. Williams, so it looks like he's going to hit the cradle shock, but I think I think uh, Slick Johnson's just like, no, 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 it's me, it's me, it's me, put me down. So he puts down puts down the referee. P. He goes for the Canadian Destroyer, but Chris Saban's able to use some resiliency to pick up P. hits the cradle shock, for the one, two, three, Petey Williams gets the victory here. Solid A matchup. These guys really delivered. I really love seeing Chris Saban and Petey Williams just go in and put on barn burner of matches. I love the you know story that they kind of told here. It was a great showcase of these guys. Absolutely great. After the matchup, Matt Bentley comes in and he hits a super kick on Saban. And one of the first things that he says is that that you guys said I was going to go up north. Nope, not happening. For those of you that don't know, they're in Florida. So going up north means going to WWE. And he talks about wanting to fight at Bound for Glory. But he says that he wants to do it in his match. And he wants Ultimate X. 
So, that looks like we got a little seed planted for next show. And then Petey Williams gets a super kick from Matt Bentley because Bentley is apparently Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Here's what it is. <laughs> oh, uh, Petey Williams and Chris Saban lasted for 12 minutes and 34 seconds. Absolutely love it. It's a great matchup. Just like I'd say. So we go into the next matchup. We have the Monster Abyss taking on Sabu. And Abyss is accompanied by James Mitchell. Oh, my God. The pairing of these two are just absolutely amazing. It gets a little clunky with the story, but honestly, pairing these two up were great. Abyss, just this monster, and James Mitchell is just literally like the devil saying, this is my creature of darkness. He is going to ravage everyone in TNA. And all it takes is one move. Click. Doomsday. Oh, I love that. They get a little hype package here for Abyss and Sabu, where Abyss wants a title shot, but Sabu's just like, yeah, no, you're fighting me. And this is like, okay, I'll I'll wreck some shit. <laughs> so he's ready to take him on. James Mitchell, he says that Abyss is ready to... I should try it. Let me try it again. Abyss is ready to fight you, Sabu. But let's do it on your terms. Let's make this a no disqualification match. Because apparently I, as James Mitchell... You know what? He's basically the devil at this point, so it makes sense. I, as the devil, can make these things happen. Click. Doomsday, Sabu. <laughs> so, Sabu just literally appears, and the match is going. You just get some striking each on each other until Abyss hits a big boot to take down Sabu. We get a chop-off with Abyss. And Sabu, Abyss literally is just like, come on, hit me. I was like, oh, gee, this is really good. <laughs> uh, we see Abyss hit a belly-to-belly -belly suplex, overhead suplex on Sabu. That, that's just brutal. Sabu tries to use the chair, but Abyss briefly stops him for the time being. But that does not last long because Abyss gets taken down and Sabu hits a chair leg drop. And then sets up the chair and leaps off of the chair to send him and Abyss to the outside with like a cactus-style clothesline. That was just great. We get two tables set up by Abyss and Sabu. Sabu leaps off of the chair again and crashes onto Abyss on the outside. And then he does a nice leap off of the chair again in the ring. He bounces off the top rope and hits a nice tornado DT to Abyss. We're just seeing these guys literally going crazy. So Abyss gets dangled in the ropes and Sabu sets up the chair again. And it looks like he's going to try and attack Abyss with like a, I don't know if it's like a drop kick or a clothesline, but all I just remember is seeing Sabu coming after Abyss and then Abyss is like, yeah, no, you're going overhead. So throws him over, and Sabu goes through both tables at ringside. Whew. That was a good setup. That was a really good setup. They set up another table in the ring. Sabu's like, okay, fun time's over. Hit Clocks Abyss with the chair, and then he hits an Arabian Face Buster with the chair into the table. Not enough to keep him down. 
because as the referee is counting two, James Mitchell puts Abyss's foot on the rope because no DQ matches apparently still have rope breaks. Because, of course. And saves Abyss from losing this matchup. Sabu is literally going after James Mitchell and Mitchell's like, no, don't hit me. Don't hit me. I have <laughs> I have a glass jaw. Don't do it. Don't do it. Abyss beats, stops Sabu from attacking. Hits the shock treatment backbreaker on Sabu. Grabs the thumbtacks. He gets them ready. Sabu is fighting off a choke slam and a power bomb on from Abyss. He's trying to just waylay Abyss into those tacks. He's trying everything. He gets the chair set up. He goes off of the chair, leaps off of it. I think he was going to try and do a tornado DT, but it doesn't matter. Black hole slam into the tacks. One, two, three. Abyss picks up the victory at 11 minutes and 30 seconds. A quality matchup. This was a really good no DQ matchup. Some spots may, you know, go down, may slow down just a little bit, but whenever they hit those high spots, it was just good. It was just bang. Okay, we're gonna give a little rest period. Bang, another one. Bang. You're just, you're just enjoying this matchup. Run, and so it's just absolutely great to see these two guys literally try and just beat the ever-living piss out of each other. And honestly, guys, this is not going to be the last time that we see it. So this is just an opening to it. We're just getting the appetizer. The main course is going to be coming up soon. And I got three words for you. Barbed wire massacre. It's coming. So Shane Douglas is backstage talking to Alex Shelley. He and Sean Waltman won the Chris Candido Memorial Tournament which I kind of looked at that, and it was a very odd, random pairing of a lot of these teams. I mean, you didn't even have like, people like Team Canada you know, teamed up against each other. You had like Saban and uh, P.D. Williams, uh, Shark Boy, and I think uh, Shark Boy and Abyss were even a team in that, <laughs> in that tournament. I'm like, what? <laughs> that was a thing? Holy cow, that's great. So just seeing that, I'm just thinking to myself, there's... This is a very unique tournament, but it's kind of one of those things where you just never know that, you know, what you can expect from people. You can put two random people together and, hey, you could have one of the next best tag teams. And that's kind of what they were doing with uh, Shelly and Waltman. But the problem is Waltman is a no-show at the show. And there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of interesting reports because I tried looking up some backstage deal as to what exactly was going on with Altman, but I keep coming up with just you know, undisclosed reasons. So who knows why he didn't show up at that. But Shelly says that he is looking to, to to win the matchup with or without Waltman. So Shelly may be going alone in the NWA World Tag Team title matchup later on. But before we get into that, Let's go into a match between Bobby Roode and Jeff Hardy. Both of these guys, future world champions in TNA. This is probably their first matchup on pay-per-view. And I'm kind of interested in seeing how this goes. So let's talk about it, ladies and gentlemen. Bobby Roode, he gets an attack on Jeff Hardy early to really show that he's a dick. <laughs> because he is. Hardy hits a baseball slide to Roode on the outside and then he just dives onto him. We get a Whisper in the Wind attempt by Jeff Hardy, but he gets pulled down. 
Rudy's working on Hardy's back and neck. Hardy does a sunset flip, but Rudy's able to counter that into a drop kick. We get the double kitchen sink where he goes from one side of the ring. Oh, I needed the gut. Kid goes to the other side. Oh, I needed the gut. And then hits a back suplex. Hardy hits his reverse, or as I put it, reverse sir in Siguri. Hits a whisper in the wind. We get the Hardy leg drop where he spreads the legs and then he just drops his feet on the gut of his opponent. Uh, Hardy hitting a complete shot, which I've never seen that. A reverse STO. I've never seen him do that before. He's going to the top. He's going for the swanton. Petey Williams comes out and interferes and prevents him from that. Rude hits a top rope belly to belly suplex. Oh my gosh, did that look brutal? He goes for the hockey stick shot, but Hardy's able to counter that into the twist of fate. Dives onto Petey Williams and Rude onto the outside. Hardy counters the destroyer attempt because because Petey Williams tried to hit that on the outside. He goes back into the ring to get. Uh, rude, but Jeff Jarrett comes out and hits Jeff Hardy not once but twice with the hockey stick to give Rude the victory here at nine minutes and seven seconds. I gave this one a C. This was one where I was kind of conflicted about it because I kind of liked where they were going with this matchup, but I think the finish definitely killed it a bit. There was that interference again by. You know, I don't even think it's because of Team Canada. I think that Petey Williams did his deal where he just came in and he literally was just like, hey, I'm going to help my bro out. Didn't work out. So I think it's more just because Jeff Jarrett got involved. So let that be known that there are some matches that just get ruined by Jeff Jarrett at this point. I think if had it just been, you know, Rude getting the victory by himself, it probably would have got a higher grading. But because Jeff Jarrett got involved, it definitely, definitely hurt the matchup just a little bit. He's back. It's Shane Douglas. He's back, and he's here to talk to the NWA World Tag Team Champions, the Naturals. He and Jimmy Hart, them and Jimmy Hart, I should say, are going to talk about their matchup. But out comes America's Most Wanted, where they're basically just taunting them, saying that, oh, it's going to be a short title reign. Sorry about your damn look. And Naturals are ready for this next matchup. I really love the tension between the Naturals and America's Most Wanted. It really just embodies what the tag team division can definitely be and what we can definitely expect going into the future. Because, oh my gosh, I just, I really love, I just really love the, Love this. It's showing like, hey, tag team wrestling matters because all you'll have to do is have two teams who don't like each other. They want to fight for the titles. It's not that hard. Wrestling isn't hard, ladies and gentlemen. Holy cow. That being said, we go into the next matchup, which is a four-way elimination matchup for the NWA World Tag Team Championships. We have Team Canada's Eric Young in A1 versus Alex Shelley for the time being versus America's Most Wanted. Versus the Naturals. So, it's a four-way matchup that was just made by Larry Zabisco. He knows that, you know, these are the four best teams in TNA right now. So, just let them fight against each other and let them literally go crazy. In all honesty, it's kind of one of those things where it works out. Because, if you remember at the last show, 
They actually had Team Canada beat America's Most Wanted and The Naturals. So it actually makes sense for them to actually put, be put into this. Plus, you add the whole Chris Candido memorial deal. It's just a really great way to showcase, you know, Chris Candido. Uh, that he lit literally would have loved to have seen, you know, tag team wrestling just flourish. So this felt like it was, this matchup feels like it's a Chris Candido, you know, memorial matchup. So... Four teams, three eliminations, one championship team. And honestly, you guys, the rules are not really that hard. You're eliminated either by pinfall, submission, disqualification, or by a countout. Once a member of your team has been eliminated, that entire team has been eliminated. Last team standing are the NWA World Tag Team Champions. We get a America's Most Wanted and Naturals Brawl early between these two teams because they literally hate each other. Honestly, it made sense. I love that. Shelly, he gets involved, and he's literally just holding his own against not only the Naturals, but also Team Canada as well. He's doing his best. Uh, Team Canada is literally just keeping Alex Shelly isolated from making any tag to any team, whether it's America's Most Wanted or the Naturals. But even then, the Naturals actually drop down when Shelly tries to make a tag to them. And it's one of those things where it's like, wow. That's kind of a heel move. I mean, I understand, you know, champions have to really, you know, look out for themselves for the tag team titles. But at the same time, you know, a babyface team would literally be like, you know, this is kind of unfair for the guy. Let's, you know, at least give him like a rest period, stuff like that. We see Shelly just, you know, doing his best to really get into that. Uh, <clears throat> Shelly hits a stunner DDT combo on Team Canada's Eric Young and A1. Looks like he's going to try and tag America's Most Wanted. When at ringside, Johnny Candido, brother of Chris Candido, he gets jumps off the on, uh, over the guardrail, gets to the side of the ring. He's saying, tag me, tag me. Well, Waltman's not there, so I guess that works. So, makes the tag. We see Johnny doing some good moves they mentioned the fact that you know oh he's wrestled a couple times so it's kind of, one of those things where it's like well okay this would, this would be kind of a nice sentimental deal so i wonder how they're going to do it low blow by eric young and small package johnny and alex are eliminated well okay then that's uh that, that's that's that that's a head shaker that's sad so, Storm hits the Eye of the Storm to Eric Young. Canada is just wearing down on James Storm during this matchup until he gets a super kick onto Eric Young. Chris Harris comes in. He hits clotheslines. He hits that's presses. He's doing a bulldog. He's just literally coming in like a house of fire. A1, he hits a hockey stick to the back of Chris Harris. Eric Young is able to hit, do another small package for the victory. America's Most Wanted is eliminated. So it's down between Team Canada and the Naturals. Okay. So after that, Natural Bulldog, which is the Bulldog into the knee to Eric Young. Uh, an inverted Samoan drop by Eric Young to Andy Douglas. Eric Young, he shoves Jimmy Hart. Andy Douglas hits a high knee. Uh, oh my gosh. I'm chat. Oh, Chase Stevens. There we go. Chase Stevens hits a high Alabama slam to 
Eric Young. A1, he hits a what I call a Walter Powerbomb because that looked brutal. Eric Young, he hits a superplex to superplex to Andy Douglas. Team Canada goes for the Doomsday Device, but Jimmy Hart gets involved, crotching Eric Young while the referee's back is turned. We see A1 get hit with the Natural Disaster for the victory. The Naturals have retained at 18 minutes and one second. This matchup was a C. I really wanted to give this a higher grade, but I feel like with everything that kind of went down, it kind of feels a bit like um, this matchup wasn't that good. I'm sorry. I hate to say that because it does feature Johnny Candido. And that's not even his fault. The guy literally got a couple brief glimpses of good, and then he gets a low blow, and he's eliminated with a small package. Eric Young has the most devastating small package in wrestling history. I defy you to name anyone else who has a more devastating small package than Eric Young. <laughs> it's just... Oh, my goodness. Oh, jeez. That's, that's... It's insane. But, like I said, the matchup just was not as good as I thought it would be. The way they, they hyped it up really good and I was really excited for it. But the fact that they did not give, you know, Alex Shelley more time to really showcase his stuff, especially when he had a little time to, you know, take a break, would have been nice. If in all honesty, Team Canada looked good in this, but I think that they looked too good in this to the point where it almost felt like they were going to win. And that didn't happen, unfortunately. So... Maybe that's the issue there, but I'm really amazed at how much they've been protecting Team Canada during this entire thing. It's it's crazy. Backstage, we have Shane Douglas chatting with Rhino, and Rhino talks about how he's been how he went for four years through wrestling hell, and obviously he's referring to his time in WWE, talking about how he wasn't showing true emotion. Tonight he's going to show true emotion, and he's going to show Raven true emotion. That is pain. And he's basically talking about winning the NWA World Heavyweight title from Raven. So we're getting into that matchup now. We have a Ravens rules matchup for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship as Rhino challenges Raven for the title. They cleared up what happened with the last show at Sacrifice where... Was it Sacrifice? Oh my gosh, I should really keep track of my shows. I'm pretty sure that it was Sacrifice with uh, Raven and Sabu. I was right. I am a smart boy. So, Raven and Sabu lost to Jeff Jarrett and Rhino at Sacrifice, but Rhino pinned Raven. So everybody's just kind of like, well, what does this mean? Does Jarrett get his idol shot? Uh, Rhino literally tells Jeff, you want my title shot? And Jeff's like, yeah, I want your title shot. And Rhino's just like, you know, you can have a title shot after I beat Raven for the title. So literally, he's just telling Jeff, yeah, you can have the title, but you can, you can also ju just, just fuck off. <laughs> so that is literally a point where we see Rhino, AJ Styles. There's so many people that have like a bullseye on Raven. They talk about that. They talk about how many how many people want that shot at Raven's NWA world title and Raven loves it. Rhino, he is just goring Raven left, right, and center. And we get the build up for this matchup where literally 
The weight advantage goes to Rhino, but the experience advantage goes to Raven. And for this matchup, Raven rules. It's no DQ and false count anywhere. That's really all it is. So Raven, he has a shopping cart that he brings down to the ring. And he has, you know, kendo sticks and cooking sheets and pizza cutter. All these random things that you can imagine Raven having, he has. So he goes into the ring, throws all the items in. We get some strikes between the two of them, but Raven breaks out the pizza cutter and he just rips open Rhino in the head. He gets some cooking she cookie sheets. We get a beer keg used that was at ringside. Both of them utilize it, but Rhino utilizes it better where he's just literally just bashing Raven with it. There even came a point where he tried to toss it at Raven, into, but it hit the ring post instead. Raven, trying to pull out his Kurt Angle, apparently, tries ankle locks not once but twice <laughs> during the matchup. But we see Rhino get out of it. He... He gets Raven into a corner. He does a running knee into a trash can with Raven behind it. He tries to go for a face wash, but Raven's like, nope. We see Rhino grab a staple gun. And he, of course, does the classic, you know, on the head. He goes for a splash onto Raven. Raven moves out of the way and Rhino eats, not the canvas, but he eats a steel chair. Raven hits some punches and a Brody Lee clothesline. He hits a bulldog. Rhino throws Raven into a chair that was set up in the ring. Raven hits the Raven effect DDT, and it looks like he's going to get the victory. But Cassie Riley, for some reason, decides, oh, I need to get, I need to help my boss. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. He only gets a two count. Raven, he sets up a ladder and hits the ladder in through. Oh, my gosh, this. This this was insane. So Rhino gets powerbombed into a ladder that was set up on a chair. And then Rhino, to respond to that, he hits the ladder up while it's tangled in the ropes, and it hits Raven in the face. They just love doing that Joey Mercury spot, and I hate calling it that because I know what happens from that, but it's, it's a rough spot. Raven uses a cart on Rhino. Rhino, he goes through the gore the first time, but he stops himself because Rhino, Raven moved out of the way. They fight a little bit. Rhino goes for a second one, but then he ends up going into the cart because Raven moves out of the way. Again. <laughs> Rhino, dude, man, you're not a smart man beast at this point. Jeff Jarrett, he tries to get involved, but Jeff Hardy just stops him. They fight a little bit. Raven... Though he hits the Raven Effect DDT on Jarrett. Rhino grabs Raven. He looks to do the same to him, but Raven counters that into the second Raven Effect DDT for the 1 2 3. Raven retains at 14 minutes and 28 seconds. Oh, there was a lot of stuff that happened in this matchup. And honestly, guys, this is probably my favorite Raven match. I gave it a B. This was one where I liked the intensity that these two guys had. It just took the right opponent to make this work. And Rhino was a really good opponent for Raven in this matchup. Rhino brought it. He brought the intensity. He brought the physicality. He brought everything to this matchup here. And I absolutely loved the fact 
that they allowed Rhino to just go crazy with this matchup. Raven looked good here, too. Even though I said before that Jeff Jarrett, you know, interfering kind of ruins the matchup, the fact that he got a Raven Effect DDT kind of makes up for it. So I gave them that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for your main event in which we're going to have a three-way match for the TNA X Division Championship as we see Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels. This matchup has been talked a boatload of times, and I know a lot of people are probably sick of it, but please bear with me. I'm going to talk about it at least just one more time. We get an amazing hype package here, which showcases everybody in this matchup. It showcases AJ, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, especially Samoa Joe, to the point where you think that with all the promoting that they're giving Samoa Joe in this matchup, you think he's going to win. You really do. It's that, it's almost like that obvious where they're just like, wow, they're getting a lot more Samoa Joe stuff in here. Yeah, because it does seem like he's going to win. He's the odds on favorite. The guy has not been beaten at all since joining TNA. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, they talk about, you know, the highlights here. Of course, Joe earned his title shot by winning the World X Cup at Sacrifice by defeating AJ Styles. Now, because of the fact that Daniels got involved in this matchup and cost AJ the title shot, Larry Zabisco was just like, you know what? I don't think that's fair to AJ. It would only be fair to put him in this matchup. So that's why this matchup was made into a three-way. And, of course, three-way sudden death, ladies and gentlemen, which means first man to score a pinfall or submission in this matchup. No disqualifications, no countouts. First man to score a pin or submission, wins the match, and is the X Division champion. So it starts off comedically enough with Daniels literally just being like, I'm going to walk out as the champion. Not you, not you. There's not anybody that's going to beat me. No way. And Samoa Joe and AJ are just like, really? Okay, let's just beat him up. So they just double team him quite a bit. There comes a point where they're just kicking Daniels in the back multiple times. Joe starts, and then AJ's like, no, 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 no. You have to do it like this. Boom, hits him harder. And Joe's like, oh, okay, so so like this. Boom, hits him harder. And AJ's like, no, no, like this. Boom, hits him harder. To the point where Daniels literally gets up, and he's like, stop kicking my ass. And then he just gets wrecked. <laughs> just It was just so funny to see that. I never knew that a match like this could have that high comedy threshold that was amazing aj gets a quick pin on joe but then joe is locking in an arm lock kind of a uh, rings of saturn deal uh daniels does a drop kick to aj joe hits a corner elbow and kick oh my gosh did that look brutal daniels does a bulldog in Seguri to joe and to aj so he has aj styles into a headlock he does a bulldog to him, but while he's doing it, he hits an Inseguri on Samoa Joe. It was really cool. Joe literally is thrown Christopher Daniels and he hits a Uranagi, and then he eats a Hurricane Rana from AJ Styles. Another really great moment. AJ Styles does some corner strikes to Daniels, but then gets a belly to belly by Samoa Joe. Looked great. Daniels stops the face wash from happening to AJ Styles by Samoa Joe. 
Then he hits an acai moonsault to Joe on the outside. As they're fighting on the outside, Daniels and Joe look up and they're like, oh shit. AJ Styles springs boards off of the rope, hits a shooting star press on both Daniels and Joe. AJ hits his classic dropkick to Samoa Joe. Daniels goes and hits a monkey flip on AJ Styles. He flies into Samoa Joe and he hits a hurricane rana on Samoa Joe. That was another cool spot. Daniels strikes Joe until Joe strikes him back and just beats the ever-living piss out of him. We see Daniels go for a roll-up, but he gets countered and gets caught. Daniels gets caught into the coquina clutch by Samoa Joe. AJ Styles is thinking, how can I find a way to break this up? Goes to the top rope, hits a spiral tap on both of them. That's one way to do it. Daniels does a complete shot to Samoa Joe. He goes for the BME until AJ Styles stops him from it. Joe hits a... Oh my gosh. This is crazy. So... Daniels is in the corner. Then we see Styles get thrown in the corner. Samoa Joe hits a Shining Wizard to AJ Styles. Then Daniels is in the Tree of Woe while he's in the corner. And Joe just literally comes off the ropes... Boom! Boot to the face while he's in that tree of woe. Then Joe hits a inverted atomic drop. Big boot, running senton to AJ Styles. Daniel's like, oh yeah? Death Valley driver to Samoa Joe. AJ Styles and Daniels, they do like a land mist dives onto each other. They're literally doing like, you know, uh, springboard dives and I say moonsault dive. They're trying very hard to just hit each other with a moon. It's like, what's going on? Why can't we... We, why can't we hit each other with anything? And then all of a sudden it gets dark. And there's like, did the sun go up? Oh, no. Samoa Joe, he literally flies off of the ropes and hits a corkscrew plancha onto Daniels and AJ Styles. Another really cool moment. And literally, you see just Samoa Joe's athleticism kick in. It was great. Joe, he goes for the muscle buster on Daniels, but it gets countered. AJ Styles and Daniels, they're fighting each other on the top rope. And Joe is looking up and is like, you know, might be kind of cool to see two guys fly from the air. So he goes up, grabs Samoa Joe. Uh, Samoa Joe grabs AJ and Daniels. And he flips both of them with a double top rope smoking go. Holy hell, was that great. Samoa Joe, he hits a German to AJ. And then he hits a muscle buster. He goes for the victory, but Daniels hits, goes for a title shot. And Smojo's like, oh, hey, buddy. Or slam. Daniels hits an enziguri while Joe has the belt in hand. And it hits Smojo in the face. Daniels hits a blue thunder bomb to AJ Styles. Hits a Uranagi and the BME not doing enough. He sees Smojo. He's like, oh, hey, bud. So rolling cutter to Smojo. AJ Styles leaps off of the ropes. And does an inverted springboard DDT to Daniels. Daniels does a superplex to AJ. Joe grabs Daniels, picks him up, power bombs him, and then locks him right into an STF. AJ Styles hits a Pele kick to Samoa Joe, picks up Joe, hits the torture rack slam onto Joe. Styles goes for the Styles Clash and hits it on Daniels. Joe gets thrown to the outside. Daniels, he is going for the Angels' wings onto 
AJ Styles. AJ Styles, though, he's able to use the momentum that Daniels has, and he counters the Angels' wings while Daniels still has his hands clasped into like a Northern Lights suplex deal. He just literally bridges he bridges Daniels into a deal where he, it looks like a Northern Lights. Daniels does not uh, let go of the clasping, so he's literally just stuck there. Referee counts one, two, three. AJ Styles wins the X Division title from Christopher Daniels at 22 minutes and 50 seconds. Now, for those that might be curious, they credit this as not a loss for Samoa Joe because he was never pinned or made to submit. That's the only way that you can really lose. So since it was a three-way, there was only a very slim chance that you were going to see Samoa Joe's undefeated streak ended here. So they kind of build that up going forward. But now we get into what I think is the newest part of the show, ladies and gentlemen. I've decided to give this matchup the Golden Goat Award, meaning that this matchup was absolutely fantastic. The story that these guys told about just killing each other to get the X Division title, but also the story that built up into this, the fact that these guys literally were beating the ever-living shit out of each other. You look at this, you guys. The buildup was great, where you have Samoa Joe, yes, he's a rifle contender. AJ Styles was screwed. Daniels is a champion that a lot of people want to see get his ass kicked, and they did everything that they could in this match. It was great. So what that means is that at the end of each year, going forward, if a matchup has this Golden Goat Award, then I am going to actually take the final episode of the year for this one being 2005. And I'm going to let you guys know what I think was the greatest match of this entire year. Now, unfortunately, you guys, for 2005, there's nothing that can beat this. So the goat, the golden gold of, year, gold of this... Let me try this one more time. The Golden Goat Award for 2005 will always be the three-way X Division title matchup here from 2005. This was great. So, the question really is... With that being said, how would I rate this event? I actually gave this one a strong B. While, yes, there is a lot to love about this this event, where you had a lot of X Division-style matches, there were still some things that were kind of lacking in this deal. You have a random tag match with you know Apollo and Hoyt versus Brown and Kip James that kind of slowed things down a little bit. You had the wonky finish between Rude and Hardy. The underwhelming tag team match for the NWA World Tag Team titles. And of course, three live crew. I am hoping that these guys are breaking up soon because these guys are so entertaining. They're so great on the mic, but I'm just not big fans of these guys as a unit. It's just not working for me. But of course, you look at some of the highlights, guys. You have, you know, the two X Division showcase matches with Aries, Strong, Saban, and Williams. Abyss and Sabu killed it. Raven and Rhino, they had a really good matchup here. And, of course, the main event for the three-way X Division title match. It was a great show. It really was. Not quite the perfect show, but I feel like that as time goes on, it's only going to get better from here. So that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the Brace for Impact podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining me here. I've been Nate the Effing Great, the Impact Player of Wrestle Attic Radio, which, by the way, you should definitely check them out. 
on every single one of their podcasting formats, including at Attic underscore Wrestle, guys. You can look at great shows from the Kings of the Rings, WrestleMania podcast, and the Young Lions perspective, along with the Brace for Impact podcast, where we talk about wrestling so much, you guys. And we are the common cure for wrestling. We try to put a positive spin on so many things when it comes to professional wrestling, and we really appreciate the feedback that you guys really give us. So much so that we definitely would love if you guys were to support us by purchasing some of the merchandise from our merch store. It is absolutely great to see some of these merchandise deals. You have blankets, you have pillows, oh my gosh, pillows, shirts, I think there's even pants for this. You get so much, you can even get a coffee mug. Even if you got like a coffee mug from our store, you guys, show your support. We really do appreciate it. And with that, we also have Patreon. And I think that's going to be all for the shameless plugs. So for that being said, I've been Nate the Effing Great. You've been listening to Wrestlotic Radio's Brace for Impact. And I will talk to you guys next week. It's going to be Bound for Glory. And like I said, the opening matchup, guys, is Samoa Joe versus Tushin Thunder Liger. It's already going to be a great show. So let's do this.